when you're in a prolific phase, that's not going to last forever. You're going to have a dry spell again. And when you're having a dry spell, it's not going to last forever. Something will jiggle loose and then the dam will flow free again. This is Finding the Throughline, the show that gives you inside access to honest conversations about the creative process. I'm Kate Hanley. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Montana, a screenwriter, public speaker, writer, and fun fact, trained opera singer, who is based in Brooklyn, New York. (laughs) As a screenwriter, Sarah has written multiple movies for the Hallmark Channel, including Rescuing Christmas, which just came out in 2023. Love to the Rescue, and A New Year's Resolution. Her TEDx talk, The Real Risk of Forgiveness and Why It's Worth It, is one of my favorite TED Talks of all time. You should totally listen to it. Sarah was also an active advocate during the writer's strike, and now that it's over, she is excited to get back to work. I have been in various writing workshops with Sarah, and I always delight in hearing what she's written and what she hears in other people's writing. And I am super excited to be able to spend time with her here today and to share her with you. Sarah, welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh my God, this is just like a dream day on the job for me. So this is just so cool. So let's get going. But I want to explain to you and to our listeners how this works. And that is that I'm going to ask you questions that fall into three basic buckets, if you will. Practical matters about how you get your work done, inner stuff about what goes on between those beautiful ears of yours, and what's coming up for you. So for people who are listening to the free version of this podcast, which I completely welcome and applaud, each section of questions is going to come in its own episode, very easy to consume, and there are going to be a few ads thrown into those episodes so that I can keep the lights on here at Finding the Through Line. And if you become a paid subscriber, you're going to get the full interview in one ad-free episode. So to upgrade to paid, visit me on Substack at katehanley.substack.com and upgrade to premium. Or not. Come follow me on Substack even if you're not ready to pay yet because that is where I'm posting the show notes. So now that we have covered those basics, let's dive in. So Sarah, I want to know that what drew you to the work that you're doing now? Like what is your personal through line that leads us to this point? Big question, I know, but... You know, it's so funny. I was talking to a friend from college who I hadn't spoken to in 15 years. And I was an opera singer and music person at the time. And he was calling to ask advice about a movie. And he was like, also, where was all of this in college? Like, was writing always... Like, I didn't know that you wanted to write at all. And the truth is that as a kid, I ran a drama program starting in seventh grade for children, where I would write a musical that was like a fractured fairy tale or making fun of a fairy tale sort of Shrek style. And then I would condense a Shakespeare play in the spring, and then we would perform it at the Children's children's Shakespeare Theater at the Folger Theater in DC. And I did that kind of in secret. I was a normal high school kid who wasn't even necessarily that involved in my high school's drama program. It just felt like this impossible dream. Singing, ironically, felt very attainable. It was like there are tons of female singers as role models. I didn't know any female screenwriters. I didn't know any female playwrights. Mm-hmm. or they were very few and far between. And our culture wasn't really celebrating women directors. And so I just went down the path that people were encouraging me because I loved music that much. It felt like standing under a waterfall and just having everything cleansed out of your body. 
but writing feels like fire. I can create things when I'm writing and send them out to the world. And it's like sending your baby to college and being like, have fun, make good choices. But there's not the same personal wellness attachment to it for me. It's something that I feel like compelled to do that I have to do. And the other big important component is that I went to grad school for opera. I booked a bunch of shows afterwards. I was in Sound of Music. I was in Ohio. And of course, someone in the show gave me The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Mm, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting there doing my like morning pages and going through the exercises. I started writing supposedly as my hobby that I didn't have to be good at. And then I started posting it and it started getting crazy traction. Like a first blog post I posted, uh, this one thing that, like while I was doing The Artist's Way about you know my alma mater got shared like 44,000 times. And I was like, I might be in the wrong thing. <laughs> that I'm actually good at. But writing always felt easy. It felt like a no-brainer in a weird way. Like, yeah, there are problems and challenges and you have to work through the puzzle of when you write yourself into a corner. But writing doesn't ever feel hard. Sometimes you get depleted. Sometimes you get burnt out. But it didn't ever feel difficult. And singing sometimes felt really difficult. So I think that was the other thing is I had discounted the thing that felt easiest because I assumed it was that easy for everyone and that it was just a given, like an objective truth about the universe that writing was easy and people either liked it or they didn't, which sounds crazy, but it's sort of, my mom was a a fantastic writer. Mm -hmm. So you also are differentiating as a kid. So I, uh, yeah, I discounted this massive talent of mine until I got out in the world and was like, oh, I keep being drawn to that. I can't wait to get off stage and go back to my computer so I can write more. I'm in the wrong thing. Wow. That's super cool. You know, I don't think that's that uncommon. I think that we have such an association in our minds between success and hard work that if something comes easily to us, it must just be like not that valuable, you know? Completely. Yes. (laughs) So it sounds like you got to the work by just kind of like to be trite about it, following your bliss. It felt really good and you got a lot of feedback. You just went through the writer's strike. You kind of had to like dig in and fight for your right to write. (laughs) And I'm curious, like, where are you now? Like what's keeping you connected to the work? What kinds of ideas or practices? Oh man, that's a great question. Because we did just put it all in the line with this writer strike. And the reason that we did it was because it felt like this was an existential threat to writing. That if, you know, Hollywood, for better or worse, has always been this place where you can be compensated what you deserve to be compensated as a writer. And a lot of other places, you know, in journalism, that's been squashed. It's been squashed in publishing, you know. And so it felt like this last stand, very lame is Act Two style, um, <laughs> that we had to take. The thing that's keeping me connected to it lately is A, that fight because I wanted the right to be able to do it for the rest of my life. And B, I do have this connection with writing where it is very healing. It is this alchemizing fire for the things that you've gone through. And it's not that I am always writing nonfiction, but it's this way of making meaning out of what you've experienced and taking the threads of these things and weaving them into something new is a process that just me feels more important than anything else that I could personally do with my life. Especially given the like capital T traumas that I've experienced. It's like making something new out of those things feels beautiful and important. And I don't like the word calling, but you know what I mean? And so I think that's a big piece of it. I went through a massive dry spell during COVID. And one of the things that kept me going was the reminder that you're going to have periods where nothing is coming because everything is hard. Like 
writing isn't difficult, but life is hard and you're burned out and the world is sort of compressing everything. And then that period lasted for like two years of the pandemic, like 21 and 2022, 2021, 2022 were horrible in my personal life. And then it was boom, 2023 was writer strike. And as soon as the strike ended, I have not been able to stop coming up with like ideas for TV shows and movies and books. And like, it's like been this like download of stuff that I'm like, I don't have time to write all of these things. (laughs) So one of the things that keeps me going is that when you're in a prolific phase, that's not going to last forever. You're going to have a dry spell again. And when you're having a dry spell, it's not going to last forever. Something will jiggle loose and then the dam will flow free again. So that is good, hopeful news indeed. The habits you do every day have a much bigger impact on your health than the things you do every once in a while. That's why I decided to start using a water filter at home so that the water we drink and cook with every day has as few contaminants in it as possible. Because unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. I love the AquaTrue Countertop Reverse Osmosis Water Purifier. It requires no plumbing. You just plug it in and fill up the tank with tap water, and 15 minutes later, you have a beautiful pitcher of great-tasting pure water. I drink it on its own or use it to make tea, and I even cook with it. And now, you can visit AquaTrue.com and enter code KATE at checkout for 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier. AquaTrue's purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, arsenic, and forever chemicals. Best of all, just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, saving you money and the environment tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code KATE at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code K-A-T-E. So I'm curious there's kind of two distinct phases to creating your work, right? When it's happening, when it's flowing and when it's not flowing. Are there habits or practices or things that you do that help you just kind of stay creative, whether the work is really like, whether the ideas are coming to you or not? And are they, are those things different depending on what phase you're in or are they kind of the same? Ooh, I think it depends on which phase I'm in. If I'm in a drier spell or there's a lot of crazy things happening in my personal life. And um, one of those like compression stages, I guess, um, I need things that are so completely different than the work I'm supposed to be doing. That is the time to go read. Like during strike, for example, I had not read those fantasy books that TikTok is obsessed with. It's like not the kind of thing I would normally be into is like fairies falling in love and fighting in wars. (laughs) The strike was the absolute perfect time to do it. And it did unlock all these imagination things. It was like, oh, right. This is a genre I don't think about that much. I don't experiment with that much. And I think it did help jiggle some things loose because I'm not going to write a fantasy series. But it added something to the pond that was missing in terms of my own creativity. In a period where I'm super expansive, I actually need to seek out things that are much more like what I'm doing to remember like, oh, right. This is the architecture. 
when I'm in a really expansive period, I need things that remind me how to get my feet back on the ground and not to be like so creative in the sky. That's when I need structure. That's when I need things to be really regimented. That's when I need to be like, okay, we need a mechanism to make the work happen because it wants to be in flow. And when I'm in a compressed stage, it's time to be really gentle with myself. I've made this mistake a lot of times where I've tried to force the work. I've been like, no, this is the time I should be writing a pilot because I should be writing a pilot. And I did. I wrote the pilot like two or three times and every draft was terrible. Like it just, it, they were bad drafts. I was trying to force it to be something I, I that it didn't want to be like this pilot I just finished. I was sure it was a half hour animated comedy, like Rick and Morty um, style. And instead, once I let go and was like, you know what, I'm just in this phase where the stuff that I'm making is not good and I'm too stressed and there's too much going on and there's no fixing that. I just have to wait. Then it all clicked into place. And I was like, no, this is an hour long drama that has comedy in it. And then that I rewrote that pilot and it all clicked exact. I was like, oh, this is what this has always wanted to be. I was just forcing, forcing, forcing it. So that's a big piece of it. There's like two different routines. And my friend Joe and I talk about this because he has ADHD and trauma for me can sometimes manifest a lot like ADHD symptoms. I have basically what's like a good day plan and a bad day plan. There's on my good day plan, I'm going to get up, I'm going to do my morning routine, I'm going to do all the things I know that keep me in line. And then I have to have a bad day plan, which is, okay, we're running on fumes. Creativity is low. I'm drained. There's family to take care of. There's all these other things that I have to take in. I can barely get myself up to shower because I'm just like tired today and I just want to be on my phone doom scrolling. I'm not going to doom scroll. What are the minimal things I need to do that will keep the ball rolling down the field so that we don't lose momentum? And what are the things that are taking care of me and my being so that my creativity will come back? Like, well, it might not be today, but it, w- it could be tomorrow. It could be the next day. I'm taking a little break. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That is like my pause for the cause. Um, <laughs> a good day plan and a bad day plan. That is genius. And if we can put this into a pill program, I feel like we could change the world. When you were talking about your bad day plan, you mentioned some things that just like help you keep yourself in a good place as a person. Can you share what some of those things are? For me, I will instantly be a little bit better even if I get outside for the tiniest amount of time. And we live in places where that's not always easy, right? Like it gets cold here. But even there's a coffee shop that's two blocks from my apartment. You can do anything for two blocks. But even getting out and shifting my perspective that way, even if it's the shortest trip imaginable, even if it's 30 seconds jumping outside and coming back inside, is sometimes enough to build momentum. Some days it does look like binging a TV show that's comforting that I've seen a million times because I just need to be... be, But it means sitting with that TV show and going, okay, why is it New Girl today? Okay, why is it Modern Family today? Okay, why is this the show that you want to binge watch? Because you're deciding to crawl inside. It's being a little more introspective about why you're drawn to the escapist things that you are and really noticing what that thing is doing for you. If it's a game on my phone, it's probably that I want to feel accomplished in a small, low stakes way. So that I can, if I notice that that's the feeling and the draw, then I can channel that into something else. Like, okay, well, let's do a really low stakes thing like shower. That's an accomplishment. Or do the dishes. That's a small accomplishment. If I notice that I want to binge watch a particular TV show, I think about what that environment is, what it means. Like, is it that I want to escape into a cozy friend group? Okay, then maybe I actually need 
really low stakes socialization with people today who get me at my worst. So if it's new girl, part of me is like, oh, you probably should go see a friend or like have coffee or pick up the phone and call someone. If it's modern family or something, you know, that's like a family show like that, then it's like, oh, there's some family stuff that you're working out here. That's fine. You know, like maybe call your brother, maybe, you know, this, maybe do this, maybe do that. You know, all the stuff they tell you about, I don't have a bathtub. I would, if I did, I would probably live in there. (laughs) I found that the other thing for me that is best in those times is creating a life in my uptimes where I have easy, no brainer, like where I just take the cognitive work out of it where there's no resistance at all. So I tried to meal prep. I was uh, everybody like everything is designed for people of these type A, very hyper-organized brains who are going to like prep their meals on a Sunday and then have meals for the week. That will never be me. I have had to develop this system where I put sticky pads on my like whiteboard things on my fridge and I wrote a menu for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. And it's just what do we have the ingredients to make so that I don't have to open the fridge and think about it. I can look at the fridge on the front and say like, oh, I haven't crossed it out. So we still have all the ingredients for like this kind of sandwich or we still have all the ingredients for this thing. And then I cross stuff out as it disappears. And then we restock the fridge. But I just like came up with menus, having choices like that. So I'm not locked into like, I feel like the bad days can be worse when you're like, well, I, I already made this lasagna that I have to eat every day this week. And on Wednesday, I no longer feel like lasagna. So now mm-hmm. everything, it doesn't work for me. I have to have choices and choices that all excite me and the ability to pivot based on what is happening for me that day. I love it. I think the habit experts would call that you're reducing friction Yes, in this yes. cooking healthy food or cooking your own food habit. You're just making it so easy. No, don't have to burn any glucose trying to figure out what you're going to eat. <laughs> okay. Last question in this section is, it's time for you to write. Where are you? Are you listening to anything? What time of day is it? Like just what's your happiest experience of sitting down and getting work done from a practical standpoint? From a practical point of view, my happiest experience of getting work done is that I maybe quickly did a journal with a cup of coffee or some tea that was just a brain dump that like, no editing, just go, 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 go. All my feelings and thoughts just dump that stuff onto the page. And it usually ends up being a glorified to-do list. They're not very interesting. Sometimes you'll get a random paragraph that's like, oh, maybe that's where my abandonment issues come from. And then you keep going and you're like, okay, today I have to blah, 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 blah. So like a three-page dump of that. And then ideally, I would go for a long walk. I used to do this with my husband before he started driving to work. I would walk to the ferry and back with him because he takes the ferry into Manhattan. And that perfect... like It was like three miles round trip, basically. But I would just start no music, no anything else, just letting my brain go, letting my brain start thinking about the work, letting myself brainstorm. I do most of my writing in my head before I get to the page. So I do a lot of like almost having the thing word for word written out and then coming to the computer and like dictating from there. So I'll go, if I can go for a long walk and then either sit down in the cafe or sit down in the grass somewhere with my laptop or come back right here to my desk and just start going, I will then write, 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 write until I start to feel the urge to, once I see myself open a browser and click on like, Twitter or something else, I go, nope. Then I shut it and I'm like, it's because that's the most you can write right now. That's your brain telling you you need a break. So then I go do something else and take a break. And the hardest thing for me to figure out about writing 
is that it's not a not typical nine to five. It's not something you can do for eight hours. It's not even like singing where you can practice, take a break, practice, take a break. When you've spent it for the day, you've spent it. Like there is no forcing yourself to do. I mean, I have had to force myself to do more writing and the work suffers for it. One of the things that Hallmark is used to be really tricky about, but that has since changed, thank goodness, is that you would have these incredibly short deadlines. And so there were days where I would have to pull 16-hour days just to like get through a draft in order to get it done in two weeks, right? Or it'd be like, oh, we need this rewrite in three days. And you'd be like, okay, well, then that's, you know, I'm going to be writing all day. And to get through those days, I still realized you have to take tons and tons and tons of breaks. So instead of sitting down and writing for three hours, I would have to really monitor my energy and go, okay, you're writing for 25, 30 minutes. And then you take a break, 15 minutes, come back and alternate in those cycles. Otherwise, the energy would burn. I would push myself and then I would be so spent and my brain would be so fried that you couldn't finish for the rest of the day. So it's really about managing and being very in tune with how much more do you have left in the tank before you need a break and really maximizing those breaks. Not just in the best days, it's not going into like TikTok or social media or something or like turning on a show. It's like, okay, I'm going to take the break to go do something that truly deeply recharges me. And that can be music. That can be being active. That could be a phone call. I'm a person who recharges more with people than by myself, probably. But I also can take that to a limit that becomes too draining too. Like there's a cliff that you can go over where now you're giving too much. So yeah, that's my ideal process would be that there's probably... I'm writing for a couple hours in the morning and then there's lunch, preferably with a friend of some kind. And then coming back and writing maybe like an hour or two more or really in the afternoon is a great time for me to do logistics. to so just like answer emails. But morning morning and nighttime, I tend to do better writing. And that afternoon period is my sort of slog brain dead period. Got it. All right. That concludes this section of questions on the practicalities of how Sarah got to where she is today, how she stays inspired and how she gets her work done. Coming up in the next Finding the Throughline episode, I'm going to ask Sarah questions that are more internally focused, like how she deals with her inner critic when it starts chiming in and ideas or beliefs that she's had to rewrite. So come back. Finding the Throughline airs one interview per week, broken up into three episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for free. Skip the ads and get each interview in one longer episode by becoming a paid subscriber at katehanley.substack.com. Even if you aren't ready to get out your wallet just yet, become a free subscriber at katehanley.substack.com and receive the full show notes with links to everything my guests and I cover. However you listen, thank you. Finding the Throughline is edited by Sound Advice Strategies. Connect with me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. Here's a little preview of what's to come in part two of this interview. And I think I internalized this idea that there would be achievements or things I would do that would, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I think we all deep down have this. I just thought something was going to unlock like almost like a video game character, like light would pour out of my skull and I would ascend (laughs) and suddenly I would know true happiness and like full enlightenment. And there would just be these milestones where I would go, yes, this was all worth it for these things. I'm Kate Hanley, and this is Finding the Throughline. More to come on Wednesday.